Pui, I'm going to jump right in with a question to you. I think I need to mention that I think you made this film specifically for me. So thank you in advance. It's this great generational story with bits of 50 sci-fi and that Jules Verne kind of story with shades of focuses on uh, conservation. Did I kind of nail some of those themes that you're working on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when Don and I started working on this film, we asked many times, what would Craig McFarlane think? And so, <laughs> like, that was a, a main motivation. I'm glad that you caught on to this because, like, you know, it's hard to, like, hit the target, and we're glad we were able to hit it. So. You know that I'm going to clip that for the rest of my life now, so thank you. I really do appreciate that. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing, that it was all started by a mouse. Hello from out there in podcast land. This is the Beyond the Mouse podcast, the podcast for all things Disney for NPR Illinois Community Voices and for the Front Row Network. I'm your host today, Craig, and it's only me because this is a very special episode that I'm bringing you today. I'm really excited to tell you that Disney has given us the opportunity to have a bit of a sneak peek and then also to talk to some of the creators of the upcoming film Strange World, which will be coming out this November. And I've got to tell you, it seems like it's almost tailor-made for someone like me. I mean, just from the first trailer that we had gotten, you can see sort of this font and this style that's really hearkening back to some of those 50s sci-fi and really great adventure stories. And then also uh, this world of Avalonia that then turns into a strange world is going to be so beautiful and vibrant. The colors throughout it just look incredible. It almost looks like to me, and I'm going to mention this in one of my interviews later, that it's almost like a, a comic book splash page or even a video game. Some really immersive environment that's sort of otherworldly. And I'm really excited. I know that we were given a couple of different additional clips to be able to see as press, and they were just really blowing me away. Not only the environments and the animation style, but also the voice acting and what we're going to get out of the story from this as well. We've got some really heavy hitters coming onto this, lending their voice talents. And that's that Searcher, our star of the show, is actually played by Jake Gyllenhaal. And then also uh, his father in this is going to be Dennis Quaid. And then Gabrielle Union also lends her voice to the cast as well as Lucy Liu. And then there's a newcomer coming to the Disney scene and that's Jabuki Young-White. And actually, the filmmakers were incredibly impressed with his performance and so excited to uh, be able to also see him as well on the screen. Really kind of a generational tale, a a grandfather father and son story. So you know me, I being a dad myself, I'm already all in for this. I'm in for the aesthetic of it. I'm in for the generational story that it's going to tell. And I'm in for basically expanding that Disney universe to see a brand new world, a strange world, as it were. There's also some tales of conservation that are woven into this. Essentially, in Avalonia, things are going really well, but then the crop that they're using to fuel their world is starting to die out. And so they have to find a way to save that. And that's maybe what brings them into the strange world. I honestly just so excited for this film. I think it's going to be one of those that I'm going to watch uh, over and over again with my son. I think it's going to have some emotional points to it. I also think there's going to be some characters along the way that we're going to talk particularly to the animators about that are going to really warm our heart. One of them, a three-legged dog named Legend, and the other, um, some kind of organism. I don't know what to call them uh, in that organism's name is Splat. And so Splat is a character that I think we will all really come to love as well. I will say, looking up the IMDb for all of this, that I did see Alan Tudyk listed in the cast. And 
and he doesn't necessarily have a credit to his name, but I'm wondering, Alan Tudyk, if he might be splat in this film. Uh, of course, he is becoming uh, well-known for all of these different animal and uh, different voices that he can do throughout Disney films as well. So it was great. One. 100% can't wait for this movie. I What I'm going to do today is interview three different sets of people. So I'll introduce them a little bit just before the interview start. But I got to tell you, I'm going to be in the theaters on November 23rd and waiting for Strange World to come across that screen. And I think it's going to be a pretty magical experience. So I'm so excited for our conversations today. And we're going to dive right into them. I'll tell you that the first set of interviews that I'm going to do today is going to be with Amy Sneed and Justin Sklar. And they are the head of animation for this picture. And so we're going to talk a lot about those characters like Splat and Legend. And I also do want to ask them a bit about uh, some geeky animation styles that's been going on at the Walt Disney Company because both of them are very impressive in their resumes. They have been doing uh, movies for us uh, all across the board. So you'll notice Amy's work in things like Tangled and you'll notice Justin's work in Wreck-It Ralph Breaks the Internet. So many different projects between the two of them. So I'm excited. So my first interview of this uh, press junket was with Amy Smead and Justin Sklar, the heads of animation for Strange World. Hi, it is so great to get to talk to you two. I'm so excited for this movie. This seems like it was made for me, so thank you in advance. But Amy, uh, first to you, I want to start with Splat. This looks like such a fun character to be able to design and to get to find all the physics of. So talk to me about being able to animate Splat. Yes, uh, you're right. Splat is a very fun character. I think when we early on, we were seeing the character designs from Jin Kim and we were like, wow, this is so cool. We've never seen a character like this before, but how are we going to animate this? Because it's also very challenging with all the tentacles and uh, little nubbins. So um, I think Splat has no face to communicate. So for us, it's really trying to sell a performance um, with body language and things like timing and spacing and people coming up, artists coming up with really imaginative choices on how to sell what Splat is trying to communicate in a moment. So we were often laughing quite a lot on this film because animators were coming, uh, coming up with such entertaining choices for Splat. That's so great. And now, Justin, I'm going to ask a similar question to the environments crew as well. You've worked on so many of the amazing Disney properties we've come to love in this last decade. But maybe with the exception of Ralph Breaks the Internet, this is the first time you get to be otherworldly. Does it is it kind of freeing as an artist to kind of leave Earth behind for a little bit? Sure. I mean, I think one of the things that we we've talked about a lot is that especially in our last, I don't know, last 10 years of films, we're, we're spending huge amounts of time researching. We're talking to all of these experts about um, cultures and, and all the specific things that we're trying to represent. And you can't really do much of that for this film. I mean, we, we talked to a whole bunch of experts about um, different ideas and different things that we were pulling from, but there's not specific reference for a lot of, a lot of these things. And I think what's really exciting as an animator is we like challenges. We like trying to communicate things in a difficult way. We like, the fact that there's a whole world of creatures that don't have faces and we don't know how they're supposed to move and we can do whatever we want. Um, and so for us, it's really fun to be able to look at these things and go, well, there's not a correct answer for this. So mm -hmm. I'm just going to do the thing that I think is fun and weird and makes sense for this moment. 
um, and and hope it flies. And there was a lot of stuff that flew on this movie that uh, we were surprised. Everyone was like, yeah, it's awesome. Let's do it. That's I can't wait to see it on the screen. Now, Amy, same question to you. Is it kind of freeing as an artist in this way, much like Justin just mentioned? Oh, totally. Yeah. We've been part of so many films that are very grounded in, you know, research, like Justin was just saying. And I think being a part of a world that is such imagination um, and working with Don and Kui, our directors, Justin and I have worked with them before. Um, they're very trusting of our team. And they were saying to Justin and I up front, we want to really have fun with the animation on this show. And what I love about working with them is the trust that they put into our team and our group of animators. It really makes it feel like um, the artists are bringing something to the table and they're really getting to own um, what they bring, whether it's a performance, of course, as, as long as it's serving the story, but they're really great at um, letting people come up with with their ideas to put into the scene, which is really cool. But yeah, I think this this film was, it was definitely challenging because a lot of times you're starting with, with you know, a blank piece of paper because there isn't, we're so used to looking at research and reference on how something might move. So uh, this was a lot more Im- imaginative and creative choices than I think uh, we usually do. And from your blank piece of paper and imagination to a bunch of kids, uh, bedrooms and everything else in the future, that's just such a, a really cool thing that you bring to life through your art. So I'm going to stick with you for just a second here, Amy. But at the press event earlier this week, you mentioned that you would say that this film has a modern Disney performance with a post- post-war approach. And I'm wondering if you could kind of elaborate that for our listeners. Yeah, Justin early Justin and I very early on we were meeting with our supervising team for like 6 months talking about the animation style for this film. And we were uh looking through those films that you were just mentioning things like Peter Pan, Sleeping Beauty, and I remember looking at a lot of uh Captain Hook in Smee scenes and animation is 24 frames for every 1 second. And so if you just step through and see the choices that those animators are coming up with, Um, We're very pose-based and coming up with interesting poses. And the way you get from one pose to the next, they're making really interesting choices back then, things that we'll call like shape change and even timing and spacing. Um, And then also the more modern films, we looked at a lot of Treasure Planet uh, work with Silver and Doppler um, because we're always inspired by Glenn Keane is an incredible animator, Sergio Pablos. Um, and many of the others, but what they're getting in in that film is a lot of that push caricature, but there's a lot of really nuanced performances in that film where you really have to sell that emotion. And we thought that they were handling that really well. So dissecting what we really loved about those scenes and trying to find ways to bring that into the animation for our film. And we were inspired by Jin Kim's character designs because had his character designs been more um, of that naturalistic feel, I don't think we would have been able to push the style in the way that we did. That's so great. Now, Justin, you know, we all kind of grew up in that Disney renaissance. They had a distinct style, that Glen Keane kind of style from Little Mermaid onwards. And I'm just wondering, uh, we've got a lot of Disney geeks out there uh, on our audience, and I'm one of those Disney geeks. I just want to hear from someone that's ahead of animation. How would you describe like the kind of more modern approach to animation that is uh, going on at Disney, maybe from things like from Tangled onward? It seems like we're in this new era of animation. So how would you describe that sure what an interesting question um 
I I think in a lot of ways there is something specific to Disney, um, which is that we everyone I think is trying to get sort of nuanced and very specific and very human choices, and I think everyone is also trying to. Um, figure out a way to combine that with design in a way that's compelling. And everyone does a really great job. I think the way that I think Glenn had a huge impact on this. I'm talking about this a little bit secondhand. Amy might be able to give you a better answer because she was here on Tangle. Well, I was here a little bit on Tangle. Um, but uh, I think Glenn's influence on Tangle, I think really set up a world where um, we were trying to break out of the constraints of CG and that we were trying to think about things in a more 2D way and think about how you design shapes as they move in a way that CG doesn't necessarily lend itself to because when you make a model and you make a rig, the answer is there for you in every angle. But when you're turning a character in 2D, you're kind of solving that problem again every time to make it the best answer for um, for that angle. And that does not come without a lot of work in CG. And so I think what, what Glenn really brought to um, the current era of, of Disney animation is just this idea of like, we want all of that anatomy. We want all of that detail and we want all of that sincerity and we want all of that realism, but we want, really want to be thoughtful about how we're moving it and how we're posing it and how we're designing it on every single frame um, to get something that, has all of that gravitas and all of the the naturalism and all of the observation to it, but is is curated in a way that's like that's what animation is about. Animation is about mm-hmm. like taking life and curating it to the point where um, you've told this story as simply and as beautifully as you can using every drawing that you get for each frame of that second or two seconds or the whole movie. That's that's wonderful. Amy, did you have a follow-up to that too? Kind of how you would describe sort of this more modern approach to animation from Disney? I mean, Justin put it so well, but I going back to working with Glenn on Tangled, I, I do feel like that was kind of the start of it. And when I look at my own work as an animator, uh, before getting the chance to work with Glenn, my work took such a huge leap forward because of the things that Justin is mentioning with really designing those poses. And every pose should tell a story or have a thought in them. And Glenn and the directors, uh, Nathan and Byron, were so great at what is the character thinking at any moment and any Mm -hmm. frame and really getting into that with animation. you know, with the computer, it's very easy to just have a character constantly moving and over gesturing. And it was getting into the simplicity of what is this shot trying to tell and minimizing all of that movement. Cause you need to be, usually it's like, what is the character thinking and what's happening inside their head? And you're selling that oftentimes with very nuanced performance choices that are happening in your face and, and body language, of course. Well, thank you both for that uh, look into the geekiness of the creator studio in there. I really appreciate that. Now, Amy, uh, it was mentioned, speaking of legends of 2D animation, it was mentioned that there is a dog in this movie. It's going to be one that we all come to love named Legend. And I'm wondering if you could tell my listeners a bit about the story uh, behind the naming of Legend. Yeah, 
uh, legend. Uh, so there's a story artist named Bernie Mattinson, who's been at the studio for 60 plus years. And Don was mentioning how he has worked with Bernie on so many of his films. And at one point, uh, Bernie said, Don, you really need to have a character that's going to ground this film. So uh, you should think about putting a dog in this film. So uh, Don and Kui and the story artist talked about that idea. And that's how legend came to be. And because Bernie's legacy, um, they would always call Bernie legend. And so that's why they named uh, the dog in our film legend and legend is a scene stealer. I think we all love legend so much. He's just a happy dog and he's a dog. Uh, he doesn't necessarily have, you know, all these thoughts and feelings other than what a dog would have. He's happy all the time, even in, uh, crises when the other characters are running for their lives legends just like wow we're you know running on these cool creatures or whatever's happening in that moment so that's so great now i'm going to try to sneak in a couple more questions my time is fleeting but justin uh can you talk about uh, how you go about adjusting the animation style to any uh, areas of the voice acting that comes along with this we got a great cast in jake gyllenhaal and gabrielle union and of course dennis quaid and i mean the list goes on but uh, i know like when they were doing pink uh, pocahontas they would actually kind of use some live action models to feature the animation as well i'm just wondering uh, if there's adjustments that are made throughout the process of animation due to the actors as well sure yeah i mean a, a lot of times we will the characters in a lot of cases have been designed before before people are cast um, and we'll do a little bit of testing before then where we're kind of like figuring out what um what the character needs to be but when we finally get the actors and we push to get that as early as humanly possible um when we finally get the voice actors that's when we kind of things lock into place in a lot of cases um, we had ideas for for how Jaeger would work. Jaeger is even in his design kind of big and bombastic, and we knew that he was going to be athletic and really fun. And then you get Dennis's reads, and mm -hmm. they are some of my favorite like, voice <laughs> acting performances that I've ever heard because um, he's just so dynamic and so broad and goes all the way there, but he's also really good at, at bringing it back for more naturalistic performances. And there's a lot of cases where we're pulling, we we record video of all of those sessions um, and the animators will often look at them and, and steal different things. There's a lot of different, like Jake Gyllenhaal has some very specific mouth shapes that we steal for Searcher. Um, Mallory Walters, who's the supervisor on Ethan, spent a lot of time looking at um, Jabuki in, in his film work and also his stand-up and finding different gestures that that he does all the time um and there's a lot of that incorporated into our film it's it's that kind of stuff that makes things really specific especially when right. you have 120 animators animating and you need character needs to feel like the character and not 120 people Absolutely. And this is my last question. It's been so great to get to talk to you. And before I say my last question, just thank you for the art and creativity that you put into the world, because honestly, it just, it means a lot to a lot of people. So thank you for all that you do. But my last question is a fun one. I'm going to ask everybody I talked to today. What is your favorite adventure story? It could be a novel, could be a movie, TV show, whatever. And uh, Justin, you look like you're terrified to answer that. So I'm going to go to Amy first. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, my favorite adventure story. Gosh, this is such a good question that I have never been asked. Um, <laughs> I do have an answer if you want me to go. First. Okay, go I ahead, do, Justin. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that this is the kind of movie that 
inspires this film, but one of my favorite films, and I, for some reason, I don't watch a lot of movies more than once, but uh, the Coen Brothers True Grit, I've seen. Oh, yes. I love that movie. It's so, it's so great to watch. I love, I mean, I love the Coen Brothers aesthetic, but it's such fun performances. It's a great movie. Jeff Bridges is amazing in it. And then the, the, just those new Westerns, even 310 to Yuma is a great new, more modern take on a Western. So, all right, Amy, you're up. I only have a couple seconds left too. So I, I need to get an answer from you. I know. And I don't feel like I ha- I'm like, okay, what's an adventure? I mean, obviously I know what an adventure story is, but uh, <laughs> I'm thinking it through all my favorite films and none of them are adventures. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no worries. Maybe sometime you can come back on my show and uh, we'll talk about it then. Okay. But, yeah. but really, truly, thank you both so much for all you do. And thank you for your time today. Yeah. Thank you so much. That was so much fun to get to talk to the animators. Uh, I am back now to let you know that I'm going to have the second set of interviews that I have here. And I do carry over some of the questions, particularly the question about kind of going off world with this movie and being able to sort of develop a brand new landscape and a new world entirely. Talking to the production designer, who is Murdad Isvandi, and I'm also talking to the head of environments, Sean Jenkins, and their work has been prolific throughout this last decade in the Disney space. So Merdad actually just came off of working on both Encanto and uh, also Raya the Last Dragon. I don't know if you've seen either of those films. And then uh, one of the last environments that really the head of environment, Sean Jenkins, was in charge of was Frozen 2. So we got to see a little bit past Arendelle and we got to sort of see those Nordic influences and things like that. So these two uh, really do such a wonderful job. I mentioned at the top how beautiful this film is. And I think you can see that just in the trailer. And so I'm excited to get to talk to these two and really geek out about their process a little bit here. And uh, so without further ado, here is Merdad and Sean talking all things environment and production design for Strange World. I am so excited to get to talk to you two today because I think you made this movie for me. So thank you in advance. It seems like it's going to be right up my alley. Um, But Sean, I wanted to ask the first question to you, and that is that in the presentation to the press earlier this week, you mentioned that uh, Avalonia is actually the largest environment that's ever been made by Walt Disney Animation Studio. And that's very impressive considering Zootopia and San Francisco and all of these other huge environments. So can you talk about the process of making that environment for all of us to enjoy? Sure, sure. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you know, really... uh, uh, the Avalonia and then going into the strange world. Um, uh, a lot of it, all of our environments start out driven by the story. Uh, so it's all in the need of the story. Uh, we'll get storyboards, uh, early on. We'll start taking a look at those. Um, and, you know, really start working on what do we need to do in service of, of, of that particular scene and story that you're trying to tell, you know, at that point. Um, and then it's really us working uh, on the environment side with Merdad and the art team uh, to really start defining the rules of the world. We start from nothing. We, we, mm-hmm. have, we have nothing. We're building everything from scratch. Um, and for, particularly for a movie like The Strange World, um, uh, we're building a, creating this new one where anything could be anything. So... Uh, that process for us is really about trying to then define 
what are the things that 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 drive this world? Uh, what is this evolution? Uh, so that we can add that kind of richness and sense of history to to the world itself. Um, Strange World is a very organic one, so it's about then figuring out how that kind of those growth cycles go. You know, I think Merdad and his team came up with this this really cool idea right from the, the get go of uh, there are the trees in this world that as they grow, they fuse together and they ultimately become the platforms that other trees grow from. Uh, and it creates this space where there really is no ground. It's just platforms out in space with other trees and other platforms growing, you know, out from them. Um, so we think so, then, so much of trees, like uh, standing on those trees as we go up, like our family tree and whatnot. So it's a really cool uh, way to to do the new life cycle for this strange really world, kind of right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's that's really great. And now, Murdad, your uh, work has been seen all over the Walt Disney Animation Studio throughout the last decade. But I'm wondering if there's some difference, and maybe Sean just mentioned some of it, but if there's a bit of more freeing property to uh, going otherworldly and, and kind of leaving Earth for a while. I mean, you were just on Earth with Encanto and Raya. So is this a little bit of a more freeing experience for you? Uh, yes. Uh, the, in terms of um, exploring something new, uh, yeah, definitely that. And uh, in terms of uh, how different is that, uh, like uh, in uh, Encanto, uh, I was we were going through uh, city by city in Colombia, mm-hmm. um, Barichara. Like uh, even the mountains, like how high this mountains is, is this species of plant going there? And we had something to refer to, like a tree trunk looked like this. This species leaves look like that, um, or, or the or the building uh, tiles. Uh, on the strange world, it's everything is different and new. And um, so the challenge with that is it has to be believable and it has to be um, just right amount of beauty and ex- awesomeness to it. Mm-hmm. So you're not distracted for this story because if you go to a land that is super different than anything you have seen in your life. You wouldn't even talk to your friend next to you. You're just amazed for the environment. So we have to pull it back. Uh, we have these plants and everything in the background in some of the shots that they are burping, different colors. And now you're thinking, oh, this is too interesting. Now we have to put them in shadow and have the camera more towards the character. And every shot, we just redo every replace everything with the position of the character now the challenging was oh how to how to control all of these uh-huh. it was a, yeah lots of back and forth between the departments that's so that's so wonderful and sean i mean kind of the same question to you you bring this like amazing environment and color palette to frozen too but of course you have some frame of reference for that so in strange world was it uh almost more of a, a freeing experience did you enjoy that kind of artistry of being able to to create something almost whole cloth here yeah no absolutely you know and um i think it's one of the exciting things that uh, that disney does in general, is that our, our process is really collaborative. Um, so, and and it's it's iterative. We'll you know we'll start out on the environment side for building it, um, you know, with general ideas, general rules for for the world. Um, 
but there's a lot of blanks to fill in as you're building up the world, as you're going from the smallest pieces of moss down on the ground, all the way to these largest, you know, platforms. Um, so, you know, then what we would do is, you know, the artists would get this opportunity to kind of fill in like all of these stories, full reference from, Hey, I saw this image of this sea creature or this coral. And I think it'd be really cool to put into, you know, to this or, you know, start looking at, you know, microscopic uh, photography or food um, uh, to really kind of pull a lot of their inspiration and, and, and get that in. And then we would iterate on it. It was like they, they would put an idea in, somebody would see that, somebody would riff off of that idea and add something to their work that, that gave it a, a particular richness. And then, um, you know, so slowly you just, you see this, the world kind of evolve and form into kind of a cohesive world that that you want to spend time in you know that is that's intriguing and exciting absolutely and now murdad i saw that uh doing some research that you have also lived in the world of video games as well before uh coming over to disney and i'm wondering because this does almost have like a comic book splash page uh, video game kind of quality when you're looking at those vibrant, bright colors that are coming at. Uh, would you agree with that? It, did that influence at all sort of what your work was coming into Strange World? Uh, yeah, definitely. Oh, it's thank you for this question. It's the first time I get it for a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 my background, I, I start in video games. And what uh, I, I think my process is still like that. So I, I imagine hold the set and hold the location together, and then and the anime uh, CG animation we do that we behold, we build hold the set all the plants set dress it and then layout team put the which are, which is our cinematographer put the camera so um, and then we adjust it to the camera so it's a hybrid of old school animation and video game uh, okay. also for the for the colorfulness. Uh, also, it was it was more more of um, uh, I, I like the movies that you can talk about it like twenty years after with your friend. Mm-hmm. Like, do you remember that orange sequence that everything was orange and yellows? I like that character, so I wanted to have that. So I was kind of pushing Avalonia to yellow, orange, uh, reds, lots of hustle and bustle. And then farm, quiet, curvy lines, horizontal. And then when you go a strange world, it's like, boom, everything is round, is uh, uh, bold. And uh, to control even that, because it's now it would break your eyes if it's, if it's too long. So we color coordinate the sequence. That's that's all great. And now I have a couple more questions for each of you. Um, really briefly, Sean, uh, I'm wondering if there's something inside of the environment that you sort of snuck in there or really proud of in the environment. So when we're watching it, I can watch it on the screen and be like, oh, there it is. This is what he mentioned to me was in that environment that he loved that he was able to get into this movie. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I think probably the, 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 the environment that I'm kind of the most proud of uh, uh, would be, you know, we have this sequence in Strange World where the characters are having to run across and, you know, kind of getting chased. Um, 
through the world itself. Uh, and we have this concept of these kind of streams of characters that are flying through the space. Um, and they ha- end up having to use one of those to be able to run across it. Um, uh, which then for me was watching all of these different departments all kind of work together mm-hmm. to be able to achieve that. Um, uh, it's something that we, we, you know, we, we never really have done before where you kind of have crowds, uh, crowds of characters and hero characters all kind of running uh, on top of them. Um, you know, and is probably some of the, are probably some of the largest vistas that we see of strange world itself, um, uh, all happening kind of at the same time, you know, and for me, uh, the thing I love about environments is that I love building these, these areas that you would want to go back to, you know? So like, when I look at those vistas, I, I look at like, Oh, I just want to see what's over that hill. Like, yeah. or like, I'd love to see what's behind that tree there. Um, so, and hopefully other people will feel the same way when they, when they watch it, that, that it's a, it's a, it's a world that they want to spend more time in. That's so great. And mentioning those vistas, I know it was mentioned that Don's, um, his uh, Iowa roots played into this as well. And as a, as a kid that grew up right next door to Iowa, uh, certainly that spoke to me too. Merdad, same kind of question for you. Anything that you put into this movie that you're, maybe it's the trees growing on top of the trees, as Sean mentioned, but is there something that you're like, this is, this is me. This is, uh, something I got to put into this movie. Uh, something is uh, that is related to my background and my childhood. I I grew up in um, south of Iran, and there's lots of desert and sandstorm. And uh, when there is a sandstorm, the weather gets everything gets orange, and uh, and you don't see the where the light is coming from, but there it's lit, mm-hmm. and that orange color have the effect on every saturation of other colors around you. Uh, it's 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 amazing to be in that and see it oh wow you and the the space that you can see in the front is like i don't know 20 meters or something um so i we have a we we have some some of that that, that um, atmosphere that mm-hmm. i was able to yeah i put it in the show that's so great. And this is my last question. So before I ask it, I just want to say thank you both so much for your art and creativity that you put into the world, because really, it just means so much to so many different people out there. So thank you. Um, but with that, I want to have a little bit of fun. I'm asking everybody the same question at the end. And that is, what is your favorite adventure story? That could be something like a book, it could be a movie, it could be whatever, but this is an adventure tale, right? So uh, Meredad, do you want to go first? What is your favorite adventure story? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, I know that uh, it's Jules Verne, uh, 10,000 meters on the, on yeah. the... I don't remember the English name. Uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea? Yes. Yes. That's so great. Absolutely. And especially the Nautilus. I'm a big Disney Parks guy. I love that the Nautilus yeah. used to be there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sean, how about you? Is there an adventure tale that you love? You know, I mean, I grew I grew up, you know, reading Jules Verne and, and Edgar Rice Burroughs and all the rest of that. But but I would actually say probably the most formative one was, you know, going to the movie theater and watching Raiders of the Lost Ark, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, and, and and that movie. And, you know, and that, that was like right at that point where then as a kid, you're playing all of that. Like you're 
you know, you're out in the front yard and you're, you know, running and visiting a big boulder chasing you. And uh, so, so that one, I, you know, I think was probably the most formative to, uh, to my, honestly, to even getting into movies uh, was, uh, oh, wow, I guess you could have a career in this. That's so wonderful. Well, thank you both so much for your time. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Absolutely. Thank Thank you you so much. That was really cool to get to talk to them a bit about their environment and how they developed that concept and then also how video games played an influence into this because I truly think that that might be a really good uh, point of entry for a lot of kids that are growing up playing those video games. I grew up playing those video games. So in addition to the storytelling of someone like Jules Verne and that kind of turn of the century story and that aesthetic of almost like a 50 sci-fi movie, you also get these breathtaking landscapes and vistas. So I can't wait to see it on the big screen uh, as opposed to just a small screen and really get to kind of dive into the warmth that is this world. I'm really excited about that. I'm also very excited to bring you my final interview for the day. And that is I get to interview Don Hall, who is the director of this film. I also get to interview Kui Nguyen, who is the co-director and writer of this film. And then Roy Conley, who is the producer of this film and has produced so many Disney movies going all the way back to Treasure Planet and The Hunchback of Notre Dame, some of those uh, Disney Renaissance films, even going into the modern era, which I'm sure to going to ask him about. Don, it kind of is fun. I mentioned this in the last interview, but Don is from very close to us here in the Midwest. He's from Southwestern Iowa. And so I'm definitely going to ask about that influence on this as well. Uh, Kui just came off of writing for Raya and the Last Dragon. Certainly going to mention that to him too. So I'm going to try to make the most out of this 15 minutes. I will tell you, I'm nervous going into it because I would love to talk to these three individuals for an hour. Uh, So 15 minutes is going to be tough, but here it goes. My interview with the director, co-director and producer of Strange World. Thank you so much to all three of you today. It's just so great. And Kui, I'm going to jump right in with a question to you. I think I need to mention that I think you made this film specifically for me. So thank you in advance. It's this great generational story with bits of 50s sci-fi and that Jules Verne kind of story with shades of focuses on uh, conservation. Did I kind of nail some of those themes that you're working on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when Don and I started working on this film, we asked many times, what would Craig McFarlane think? And so, <laughs> like, that was a, a main motivation. I'm glad that you caught on to this because, like, you know, it's hard to, like, hit the target, and we're glad we were able to hit it. So. You know that I'm going to clip that for the rest of my life now, so thank you. I really do appreciate that. Um, now, now, Don, uh, I'm a Quad City boy, Uh, Uh so I was born and raised there, and it was mentioned in the press presentation that your life, early life in Iowa was inspiration for this film. Can you kind of elaborate that for our Midwestern audience? Yeah, big time. Uh, My dad uh, is a farmer. Um, He's farmed corn and soybeans because that's Iowa. Uh, It's it's essentially a state of corn and soybeans, Um, (laughs) and he's, you know, been a farmer, you know, his whole life, actually. Um, so I, I knew that world pretty well. And obviously, you know, in that world, I was I was doing, you know, I was being, you know, taught the ways of the farm, if you will. And and it, you know, at a certain point, much like Ethan in the story, I, it came to a, a point in my life where it's like, well, I don't know if that's my path. I think I have a different path, you know, mm-hmm. uh, essentially following this Disney dream. And 
And, and so, you know, that was a, 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 a kind of an inflection point in my, in my personal story that I wanted to kind of bring into this one. That's so great. And we are fortunate that you did forge that path out to Disney. Um, now, Roy, I have a tangent here for just a second. And that is that when I got the press materials for this, I didn't look and see who exactly was doing the voiceover. And all of a sudden, I thought it was John Hamm. So I think you might have a future in podcasting, audiobooks, something like that. Um, but I do want to mention that Amy said uh, earlier that Treasure Planet was an inspiration for this. You were, of course, intimately involved as a producer of that film as well do you draw that distinction or do you see those inspirations into this movie you know i think you know treasure planet is a fun uh, adventure film but uh, aside from being an adventure film this is really the brainchild of don don came up with the concept and you know it he's you know he creates these wonderful worlds uh i worked with him on big hero six san francisco was such a, i i felt uh, an amazing world and I think he outdid himself on this one because, uh, you know, both Avalonia, the upper world and strange world, the lower world are places people have never been, but probably want to go. <laughs> Absolutely. A quick follow up to that. You've gotten to work in Disney, sort of both in what we would consider the end of the Disney Renaissance, but then also in the modern era. And I'm wondering how the two periods of film have differed in your opinion. Well, it's interesting because you know, I came in with hand-drawn animation, as did Don, for that matter, mm -hmm. and seeing that transition into digital. And I, I have to say, um, I love both, but there's something about CG animation where you can get, you know, just a, a bigger palette in a certain sense. Yeah. And there's a specificity of emotion and it's it's kind of a magic world and i have to say i've i've loved the whole evolution each film is always different that's great. These next, this next question, I do want to pose to both Don and Quee, so I'll take Don first. Um, you both mentioned that your fathers, and several times during the press events, you've said that that had an impact on you when creating this story. And I'm wondering if you could give us a peek behind the curtain a little bit at maybe a real-life instance of something you experienced as a dad that would make it into the story ultimately. Well, I mean, I, I kind of went into the 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 being a, the son of a farmer, and you know, realizing that wasn't my uh -huh. path. So that that was definitely one one aspect. Um, as far as the kids go, um, Ethan, Ethan, and you know, in this in our world of Avalone, we don't really have digital technology. You, you didn't see that much in the trailers and stuff like that. But um, it's it's a bit of a kind of retro future vibe. Um, and so. For Ethan, we were looking like, you know, to make him relatable. It felt like he needed, like, what is what do kids now? What 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 do they do? And I know my kids are both super giant gamers, and that's yes. all they do. And so, how do we do that with Ethan without the idea of digital technology and the video game? So we came up with this tabletop card game called Primal Outpost that Ethan and his friends are super into. And it was really fun because the story, everybody got involved and kind of mapped out this game. Like we, it is a, it is not a, a, a shallow dive that we did with this game. Like we mapped it out. We know how to play it. Uh, it could be a real game. And, and I guess that's something that, you know, hopefully kids would appreciate. <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely. That's really cool. And actually, I just talked to Murdad about his uh, experience in video gaming and how that was drawn into the film, too. So it's really cool that you also incorporated it in that way. Now, uh, Kui, same question to you. Is there a real life experience that you have as a father that while you're writing this uh, story, you're like, oh, yeah, this is something dads know and we can put this into this film? Well, I mean, I think it, 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 it you know, encompasses both Jaeger, Searcher, and Ethan. It's that, 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 you know, simple thing of like, you know, generationally how different they are. Like Don and I are definitely Gen X and, and, and Searcher kind of reflects that. And Jaeger is definitely of an older generation that probably isn't as effusive. And then Ethan is younger than, uh, younger than, than, than them both. And uh, I th- definitely being the kid of an older dad, an immigrant dad at that, there's been many a time when I was like, hey, dad, I love you. You're like, thanks. No, dad, I love you. Dad, <laughs> dad, I love you. <laughs> but I know he loves me, but he just won't ever say it. And so I make up for that by saying I love you way too much to my 13-year-old, who's very much like, dad, I know. No, Sam, I love you, buddy. Come here. He's like, <laughs> so like, it, it's interesting, but I think in a, in a small way, uh, Searcher is very much me and Don, that, that guy in the middle who's like, a little bit more effusive than needed and and our kids are probably very much like even and probably our dads are a little bit like jaeger in that that context you know as a father of a six-year-old that i can't wait to bring to this movie um it just makes me that much more excited you know to to be able to hear that and and totally get that it's like almost i didn't tell you i love you today so come on like <laughs> i need to tell you right but uh, you two are also both coming off of uh story writing and in, in the screenplay for raya and the last dragon and i'm wondering if it's um interesting in this way i've been asking this of a lot of the creatives uh that you're going off world with this so is it more freeing as an artist that you aren't necessarily drawn to a specific uh cultural time frame or something like that and i'll go to Kui first and then i'll go to don uh well i mean i think the the the, the one fun thing about it is like when you're you with with strange world is it was a world that we get to create from from you know the top to bottom right like everything gets to be made up uh which means even the rules of reality gets to be bent and you know as a person who loves like big imaginative stories that was a big joy in creating uh strange world uh the the challenge of that of course is there are no rules which then makes it hard because it can get sprawling and so there there's there's challenges when it comes to that too but it it it's it was a def, it was definitely really nice to be able to go from something so realistic like uh uh, uh raya uh that though it had dragon stuff the world there was something we get grass is grass trees are trees water is water and then getting to go to some place like strange world where it, it the title says it all <laughs> you know that's great and don do you have uh, anything to add there hundred percent. And I knew that, you know, that was the potential of the premise, right. Um, you know, and it was baked in very early on that we were going to go to this under underneath world and what could it be? I knew that I didn't have to solve every problem. I just had to set up a, a scenario and let the imaginations of all the super amazing talented people here and let them run wild and encourage them to run wild. And, and when it was weird, say, yeah, but let's go weirder and see where that goes. And and um, and I have to say, it's it's the final result is beyond what I ever could have imagined. Uh, and it's something we're so excited for people to see just for its sheer originality alone. 
That's great. Now, Roy, I also get hints of conservation in this. And what I love that Disney does as a company, whether that's adding that fifth key of inclusion or it's showing that representation truly matters on screen, it's sort of allowing for um, not beaten over your head types of social message, but important things in uh, the cultural ethos to get out there in a film as well. And so I'm wondering if you had any comments on that aspect of this film and how that uh, relates to Strange World. Yeah, I have the great pleasure of also working on the Disney Nature label, where we're we're telling stories from nature, and in many ways, this is uh, an ex- extenuate. You know, it it, it extenuates, it extenuates. Extension. That's the word. I believe it is uh, the, uh, the that kind of storytelling. Because really, my my belief is that you tell stories, and it goes through the heart into the head. You know, you understand what a message is if you understand what the feeling is. And uh, this film is full of heart and it's full of humor and it's th- the humor opens it and the the heart is just, you know, ready for a story like this. That's so great. Now, Don, you've been working on this project for a long time. How's that excitement, anticipation feeling for you getting closer to the premiere? Oh, so excited. Um, and even this, this week, you know, since D23, when we kind of, you know, we had the mm-hmm. early teaser, but then D23, we shared a bunch more. And then this week we're sharing more. Um, and just getting that feedback, it's so uh, nourishing for us because we've been holding on to it for a while. And, uh, and, and to be able to just see people's reaction to just this much of it, by the way, just this much of it, there's so much more. Uh, it's been really gratifying. And, and for Queen and I both, you know, we're a little, uh, slightly depleted uh you know <laughs> Raya and this back to back you know it uh we're we're uh we're a little depleted so it kind of nourishes us during this final stretch to to you know really and just you know enjoy this because it we're so excited for everybody to see it of course Roy you had something to add well I Don Queen and I just came off the score stage yes with Henry Jackman who's doing the score it is so amazing it is so beautiful and it's so big and I have to say, one of the touchstones of when you know you're coming to the end of your film is when you get on that score stage. And it is the most joyous of experiences because all of a sudden you hear a hundred piece orchestra illustrating your film sonically. And uh, it's been just stunning. And I can't wait for people to hear the score yeah, not with to brag the on vision, yeah. visuals. Yeah, to brag on Henry just a little bit, like his score is so good that like Don and I, have been driving around our cars, uh, listening to the demo tracks of it. Oh, that's great! You remind, yeah. you know, as as as, as Don Don's favorite stories to tell is like when he was a kid, like like putting on the Star Wars record to play Star Wars. Like I, we, you know, the exciting part of this is kids can put on Strange World to play Strange World because Henry's music is just riveting. It's just so big and 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 classic. And to lead this team of artists and animators and uh, world builders and that art and creativity, I'm, I'm going into my last question here, but just thank you for that art and creativity because we all need it and uh, we are all going to experience it and enjoy it in this November. So my last question is a fun one. I've been giving it to everyone. So I'll start with Kui and then I'll, uh, I'll go from there. So favorite adventure story. This is an adventure story you've written. Uh, so favorite adventure story could be novel, could be a movie, TV series. You go for it. Um, but what's your favorite adventure story 
So I don't take it away from Don. I'm not going to say Raiders of Lost Ark because I know that's his favorite. <laughs> I, I had another one ready to go in case you did. But, but my, my, I think when it comes down to it, the one that I always go to, still a day in and day out, uh, that I was excited to share with my kids. That hopefully, my, you know, people feel the same way about Strange World was the Goonies. I love. Oh Goonies. yes, that's yeah, so perfect. That's so perfect, Don. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, hands down. I. You know, I saw it, you know, when I was uh, a kid and I had wanted to be an archaeologist before that, you know, and then and then that movie made archaeology like seem even cooler. And uh, <laughs> obviously I went in a different I mean, I, I wanted to be in animation, too. But, um, yeah, that movie had a profound impact on me. That's great. Sean mentioned the same exact thing to you uh, just a minute ago. So, Roy, how about you? Favorite adventure story? This kind of crosses genres in a certain sense. When I was a kid, I read Princess of Mars, which oh, okay. is an amazing adventure story. And at the same time, it's got a little bit of sci-fi in there as well. And I love, uh, I, you know, I love Burroughs. I think he's great. Well, that's so great. And I uh, really thank you all for your time. Just know that uh, in November, there's going to be a, a father and son sitting in a movie theater in central Illinois, just watching your work come to life. And it's just going to be great. My last thing to say before I head out of here is Don, as a Disney Parks fan, Meet the Robinsons does not get the credit it deserves. That is a masterpiece film. So congrats on that, too. So anyway, thank you so much. I hope you have a good rest of your day, everybody, and enjoy the film uh, when it comes to that premiere. Thank you so much. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Wow, what an experience to get to talk to the three of them about creating this film, to get to talk to all of the creators today. It was just uh, an incredible experience to be able to see a little bit of this film, but then also to be able to kind of start to build that world around it. And I can't tell you my excitement going into November 23rd and being able to see Strange World for the first time and bringing my son to that theater and being able to see this uh, new adventure story come to life. I'm really excited about this film. And so you know that we will be covering it on Beyond the Mouse, certainly as we move forward. So again, thank you to Disney for this opportunity to cover Strange World. And thank you to Kui and to Don for leading this team uh, of animators and production designers. And of course, thanks to all the other creative people that we were able to interview today. It really means an awful lot for me to get these opportunities and I definitely don't take them for granted. So thank you so much uh, for all of that. If this happens to be the first time that you're seeing Beyond the Mouse or listening to Beyond the Mouse, please go back and check out all of our podcasts we have interviewed several Disney legends and other celebrities. We also just talk about the parks and the love for our parks and also uh, the movies. I mentioned a bunch of movies that I really enjoyed today to these people that also helped create those. And uh, that's something that we love to do on Beyond the Mouse all the time. You can also find us on social. We're on Beyond the Mouse Pod on Instagram, also Beyond Mouse on Twitter. Then on Facebook, you can find us in two different locations. There is a Facebook page called Beyond the Mouse Podcast. But then I really encourage you to join the group, which is Beyond the Mouse Podcast Pals. They're going to be the first people to get a sense of what this was like for me going through this press junket today. And it's just a fun place to keep the conversation going. So I do look forward to having you join in that conversation and welcome you into the group. I actually do also have the link for that group down in the show notes below. So you can just click on that link and it'll join you right up. And we are, we can't wait to have you in that group and chatting all things Disney with us. 
We will be back with a very fun interview. The time I'm recording this, uh, there is always a chance that things will change. But uh, today, later, earlier today, we confirmed an interview that I think is just going to be a lot of fun for this Friday's episode. You should be checking out on our social channels and you'll see that also uh, in there and announced on our socials. So you don't want to miss that as well. You'll have Brett and you'll have Vanessa back. It won't just be me. But for now, since it is just me, for Beyond the Mountain, This is Craig, and I can't wait to see you in the front row of Strange World coming out November 23rd in a theater near you.